Yes, hi listeners, it's uh, Tim without Danny here, because Danny's in the big smoke having meetings, and um, back with another UK Scriptwriters podcast, and uh, everyone's favourite, an interview special. I know um, we always get emails saying people love the interviews, people love the, the, the last one with Andrew Allard a lot. Uh, we've got a very different one today, because it's not about comedy, it's about... Um, drama with uh, a guy that I've known for a few years but you know here and there uh, Tom Williams who's just written um, a BAFTA nominated uh, uh, film that he's going to tell us all about and the experience of of doing it Uh, are you there Tom? Hello Tim how are you? Not too bad mate I was just thinking actually first time we met was when we were um, we were uh, jury members on that short film competition do you remember that? The Salisbury Art Centre. Um, yeah, very good. Yeah, that was the first time I met you. And then since then, you seem to... Oh, I saw you at the Screenwriters Festival, I think, That's right. a couple of times. Right. Yeah. And, and then uh, you did Chalet Girl, and, and uh, now you've got a very different, quite gritty drama um, yes. out last year that um, that I've seen. Just we should say what it's called, shouldn't we? Kajaki. Kajaki, the true story, to give it its full title. I won't... Uh, pitch it because you've probably pitched it many times so we'll be much better at describing it uh for the for the listeners that haven't seen it tell us about it so kajaki the true story as the uh name suggests is uh a true life british war film based on an incident that took place in the kajaki dam region of helmand province afghanistan on the 6th of september 2006 Um, British forces had recently been redeployed back to Afghanistan and a group of paratroopers was occupying a ridge uh, above the Kajaki Dam trying to uh, protect the uh, hydroelectric station there from being uh, taken over by the Taliban uh, on the morning of September 6th. Uh, A sniper, a guy called Stuart Hale, spotted an illegal uh, enemy vehicle checkpoint uh, a few miles away and he took a couple of guys with him off the ridge uh, down into a valley to get to a closer position from which he was going to engage the enemy. Uh, However, down in the valley on his way to this firing position, he uh, walked across a dried out riverbed and detonated a, uh, a landmine, an anti-personnel mine, and uh, blew off his leg. Um, and the events of the film follow the rescue mission, uh, the various uh, sort of groups of guys who went down into the riverbed to try to extract him, the various uh, helicopter extraction uh, efforts, and um, I guess don't need to give, give away the entire structure of the piece, but there are subsequent detonations and it ends up with uh, a number of casualties and one soldier um, died on the day and was awarded the George Cross for his bravery. I mean it's um, no 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 punches held back I think in, in the in the in the film you know it's like um, you're right in there with the guys um, on that day. How did you um, first get involved in the film though Tom because is it was it an idea that you had you'd seen about it read about it or did someone approach you to say they wanted to do this story so this all comes in fact from uh it's quite a nice story really in in terms of uh, this podcast and and you know people's career development uh for the last 10 years whilst I've been 
you know, striving towards writing feature films and winning Oscars and all that sort of thing. When that's not happening, I've been writing um, training films and training dramas for corporate clients and government clients, uh, largely for this company called Pucker Films uh, in London that was uh, started and... um, uh, is run by the director Paul Catus and his producer Andrew de Lobinier. and in about 2010 we so I live on Salisbury Plain I live in Warminster in Wiltshire so I'm my dad is in the army I'm sort of you know kind of surrounded by the military on a on a daily basis um, we had been given a, a job by the Ministry of Defense to create a training film for the army on a sort of an industrial workplace accident subject, you know, a a number of soldiers are injured every year through traditional workplace injuries, crush injuries, fall injuries, health and safety injuries, really, uh, you know, as distinct from uh, combat yeah, injuries. Yeah. So we were filming up on Salisbury Plain, uh, a sort of a don't get run over by a tank training film, and Paul, the director, and I... Um, were very kind of energized meeting these soldiers, some of whom were very young, some of whom were being shipped out to Afghanistan just a, a week or two after we were filming. And the conflict was in a very intense period at that time in 2010. And we both felt that there was an opportunity to tell a modern British war story uh, for reasons, you know, that we still haven't really figured out. The British are less eager to uh, shine a light perhaps on stories of combat Mm. uh, particularly those that take place in perhaps a more politically murky context Uh, you know world war ii is seems to be fair game but anything iraq based or afghanistan based or even falklands based or uh, bosnia you know they they are perhaps because they're commercially less successful, but also they're politically tricky. Either way, given that we were, given that, you know, I'd only done romantic comedies before and Paul, whilst a very experienced director, did not have a very long uh, feature film CV, Mm. um, we were aware that we would be fighting a bit of an uphill battle. So, but then, you know, a gap in the market's a gap in the market. So we thought we could maybe make a bit of noise by taking on a subject that others seem to be avoiding Um, so we set out to research the conflicts and our our process in doing these corporate films was often to take a case study incident and use that to inform uh, a sort of a fictional um, story that that we would create in this case we've soon came across the uh, Kajaki minefield incident and the more we dug away at it the more we realized that this story told truthfully and fully and as you say in kind of realistic detail would be more original more hard-hitting more dramatically powerful than anything we could come up with so that was sort of the evolution and that's and then once we started down that route of researching it and meeting the the soldiers who were involved on the day we then became totally sort of almost obsessively committed to authenticity Mm. of language of costume of you know the um uh the the authenticity of the injuries themselves and the timings and so it became what what drew you though tom to that particular story because it's um, uh, it's a small story in a way. And what I mean is, you know, it uh, occurs in one location there, just near the dam, as you say. 
and um, you know tight it's it's just that that kind of uh, small group of soldiers there together um, well it was a number of things actually Tim the, I mean you mentioned the fact that it's a small story in a contained location o on a purely practical level for us as uh, as first time as particularly to this genre that was going to make our life easier uh, in terms of raising the money small group of guys one location um, a number of explosions but uh, you know uh, not uh, it's not a bridge too far it's not mm. a thousand paratroopers jumping out of an airplane or or seizing the village um, so on a on a production level that you know it had its challenges but that was um, uh, something that we felt we could uh, deliver on a limited budget and it not look like we were doing a cheap version of a bigger story. So yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah. one thing. Secondly, uh, in creative terms, I like limitations. I like being mm. limited to one day, one location uh, and a sort of a chain of events there. Um, uh, that, I think, brings out the best in writers me yeah. as a writer in particular then also you got an opportunity to see the guys and to get to know them and get to know their different personalities um uh, their the humor that emerged between the guys how they reacted under duress mm. uh, became you know so so it could be more of a character piece more of a human story as you said mm. then there were just more it's really the story uh, grew and grew before our eyes we we learned for example that the mines were russian mines mm. from 30 years earlier so they're not uh, taliban landmines that then becomes interesting and and so while we weren't looking for a story to be a, a metaphor or to make a particular statement about any particular war um the 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 narrative threw up resonances that were attractive to us and finally i think possibly we accepted that uh, there were political considerations to be borne in mind when you're telling a story about the Afghanistan conflict or the Iraq conflict and telling this story that seemed to uh, occur almost in a vacuum and almost in the Taliban are barely seen in this film mm. that possibly enabled us to tell a, a film about all wars rather than this wars and um, what was the uh, you said you, you went to meet some of the uh the people that feature in the film and and talk to them what yeah. was their response when you first told them that you were interested in telling their story did were they were they did they have concerns were they sort of a bit bemused by that or were they proud to be involved or yeah, was it, it a mixture so it, it varied um the 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 sequence of events was firstly we spoke to the kind of the commanding officer at the time who wasn't in the minefield but who was in charge of that mission and he gave us a good overview of the sensitivities legal sensitivities military sensitivities political sensitivities once we had presented our credentials to him and he was uh, he's retired from the army now but he lives lives locally so i knew him once he had sort of vetted us he then put us in touch with one of the key soldiers who was the medic on the ground a guy yeah. called tug hartley who was right in the thick of things he yeah. had also left the army so he could speak to us no problems he was very enthusiastic i think these guys do like telling their story most of them uh, it is um you know i don't want to go into the psychology of it but there is a therapeutic benefit for them to mm. you know be keep on sort of working through the events of that day he had a very clear 
uh, telling of the story and uh, was, uh, you know, encouraged us at that initial stage. And then he also introduced us to the parents of the soldier who died, who live up in Edinburgh. We went to uh, see them, Paul, the director and I. And um, again, I think the fact that our intention was to tell it straight, not to muck about with the facts or change what people did or bring an agenda to the material we wanted the material to lead the agenda uh, th that uh, helped to reassure people uh, to a certain extent um, did, you and... find, did you find yourself though Tom further down the line when you were doing the, the, the scripts and different drafts and so on and obviously you, you, you were trying to tell um, you know a, a factual account in a way but obviously you know, we both know that um, you've also got to serve a story and making a story tight. Was there a, a several points where you, you felt, well, these two things um, are you know, working against each other? I want to tell it straight. I want to tell it truthfully. But at the same time, I can't include all this or the story demands this or, you know, how did you wrestle with that? Yeah, the, well, the, I mean, it's it's a good question. It's the it's the the big thing when you're working on true you know true material um one i think the unique um uh, uh opportunity that this story gave us was uh if you look at it from a certain perspective and uh, as a screenwriter's perspective you're looking for structure and story progression Wh when you look at it in those terms take as aside the politics or the production logistics or whatever this had a very very strong narrative engine working away at it that it had an opportunity for setup for meeting the characters it had a very clear uh, inciting incident uh, and then it had a number of sequences within that each mm. with uh, you know without giving it away more mines going off big sequences when helicopters come helicopters go big sequences when uh, people do very brave uh, actions that run over the course of a number of scenes mm. so you know I've worked in development I, I I approach most projects from a structural basis to begin with and I could tell quite early on that the structure was solid you know of this story and I wasn't going to have to change the ending or flip events or even invent uh, invent events to mm. inject more action into the material so from my base from my perspective I knew that I was on solid ground from quite an early stage the the um challenge uh, from then on became what to cut out because yeah. this was a six hour incident that we had to cut down to 90 minutes uh some characters to cut out some you know there is a lot of waiting around there was a lot of waiting around in the minefield so we had to give a sense of that whilst obviously not making a six hour film mm -hmm. and then also it was a case of inserting uh, and finding room for and space for all the wonderful first person testimony that we got from the guys uh, you know and uh, mm. to go back to your previous question the more we spoke to them the more we started sharing drafts of the script with them the more they engaged in the process and would remember lines of dialogue or little uh, curious moments that all of which were much more uh, appealing than the the sort of the traditional cliched army movie stuff and really brought the characters to life yeah. and brought the story to life so i mean it was there's a, a sort of a terrible dark humor to it as well tom that i was surprised about you know yeah um, and that felt that came from the guys that yeah. felt very real how else are you going to cope really with 
this terrible situation and at a certain point they became trapped and so had to pass the time there was a clinical need to keep people's spirits up to keep people talking to keep people conscious but it's also their training and their sense of uh, comradeship uh, that just kicks in and and it is life-saving it's and it was the difference between life or mm. death in in a few occasions and that becomes very powerful when you show it on the screen there's a is a moment when one of the characters reveals that it's his birthday that day so yeah. tug the medic gets everybody to start singing happy birthday to him and as he told it to us in his in his living room when we were speaking to him about it the first time he was going so he, he wasn't doing that to wish this guy a happy birthday he was doing it to keep the injured people around him um conscious and mm. so that <coughs> excuse me he could record their uh, responses to this order that he was giving them and uh, you know there's the Glasgow coma scale I think that medics are aware of and he could he was using the singing of happy birthday to medical end so mm. that then becomes an incredibly rich moment in the film and it was that sort of thing that we were looking out for and and trying to set those moments in an appropriate context in the film um, what did they think when they saw the uh, the final film? Well, we had a um, so we had this premiere in Leicester Square on the uh, 12th of uh, November, uh, the day after Armistice Day. And actually mm. the day before, the 11th, uh, we got half a dozen of the of the sort of core characters together uh, in a screening room in Soho. And we watched it with them. And I was very privileged to be in that room watching it with them. And it's a regret actually of mine it's impossible but that we didn't record the kind of running commentary going on from the lads mm. as they were watching it because it was that black humor was right back in there a lot of these guys hadn't seen each other for a while but their um sense of respect and kinship was as strong as ever and they very much um uh sort of underplayed their own actions they would mock each other's actions as represented on the screen but that was all part it was explained to me by some of the guys that that was very much again part of their way of dealing with the you know psychologically interesting experience of them watching themselves in a traumatic situation being played on screen however that's a lot a long way of saying they were very uh, pleased with the end result uh, they I think it was a therapeutic process for them some of the guys had been carrying you know baggage emotional baggage with them since uh, September 2006 mm. and it has been been relayed to us that the whole process of talking about it of de helping develop the script of um of then seeing the movie has been helpful to them in that respect and then they so they all turned out up at the at the premiere the next night they uh, hung out with the actors who'd been playing themselves uh, the the proud you know the the director paul and andrew the producer and i are all very proud of how the film delivers but i think more importantly we are proud of the journey that we've gone on with the real people and the parents of the soldier who died and the fact that they're happy and still supportive and have been supportive throughout the release is the um is the is the the part of this process that we uh feel we handled well and are, are most proud of yeah and uh, just to go back to the nuts and bolts you know as a as a as a screenwriter you know how did you coordinate all that material that you were collecting in your research so you know you've got your into you know, you've got your interviews i don't know if you recorded those you know on a on a audio or anything like that when you were speaking to the guys yeah you, you yeah, know, we got did. all those testimonies like how'd you wrestle with all that content tom well it, it happened in stages to be honest tim uh the 
we got the initial sort of outline from Tug the medic and that gave the screenplay some early shape then the uh, the parents of the soldier who lost his life shared with us the um, army uh, inquiry transcript <clears throat> documents which is you know many hundreds of pages of legal um, testimony which that form that that sort of paper evidence formed the basis for the first draft I think um, it was quite heavily redacted with all the names crossed out and replaced with numbers so I had to go around matching names with numbers and it, that was a, sort of a, a bit of a forensic job but I kept detailed notes and soon we had an idea of who the dozen or so main players were and from the uh, army's inquiry I had uh, a sense of their uh, particular view of events and perhaps where the uh, their accounts differed or conflicted one from the other and then it was a case of tracking them down and uh, we could talk to some of the guys uh, much more readily than others because those who had left the army we could talk to straight away those who were still in the army we needed permission um, but uh, and we set up a uh, we, once we got the permission from the MOD to talk to them we set up a Facebook research page a lot of the soldiers are on Facebook so we used that as a good way of discussing perhaps contentious moments somebody says it was like this what do you guys think we used it for tracking down other people that we couldn't get hold of and then yes when we spoke to them we recorded the sessions i took notes uh, on occasion we got the um audio files transcribed so they became written documents it's been important to us to have a a, a sort of a paper record of our research so that if anybody at any point said hang on it wasn't like that we can point to a document and say well so and so said it at such and such a time um, and then trying to bring it all together in the script every time we went back through the script we'd put new material in I think the the danger on a technical level was having too much and not having a center to the script you know yeah. um, having 12 characters each of whom was the main character in their own story so Paul the director and I we were conscious that there were going to be two or three or four characters who might without this being a hero's journey kind mm. of structure and we and we we did feel that we could break some of the you know Christopher Vogler screenwriting uh, uh, rules here as long as we understood in what way we were breaking them but there were going to be two or three characters in particular um, that we would probably have to touch in with during most of the scenes um, and some of the other characters maybe um fall slightly into the background as the as the action really ratchets up uh, in the last 20 or 30 minutes mm. but it was an interesting structural challenge yeah and i i don't know you know there may have been other ways to do it my golden rule was let the story lead you and and i think that's what makes it different you, you know it's not tom it's not like we open with tom cruise or charlie sheen flying into mm. vietnam and apocalypse now so we know we're going to follow that guy's journey i think the first act is kind of interesting and challenging maybe because audiences are trying to figure out what's going on here who am i meant to be engaging with what's the yeah. mission yeah yeah um, that's right that's but right. uh you know we get away i think we get away with that and then then the events of the second and third act sort of um, have an energy and a momentum all of all of their own. Did you ever yourself, like um, like you say, people may be more familiar with you writing a lighter uh, kind of uh, script, did you ever feel that you were a little bit out of your depth for what have I done here? Um, yeah, 
good. I mean, good question. Mainly, it was a question I asked myself. But um, for a long while, the 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 only person I had to convince was Paul Catus, and he and I've worked together for ten years on very um, mainly quite hard hitting training dramas. Mm. You know, so he didn't know me as the Shelley Girl writer. He knew yeah, me as the yeah, guy yeah, who, yeah, yeah. who did a lot of uh, you know. Um, health and safety people falling off scaffolding kind mm. of films and dealing with the the fallout from that with the families and so on so he was he had a pretty good sense that i could do that also it's not like charlie girls the only script i've ever written and mm. it's not like romantic comedies are the only films i ever watched so i certainly enjoyed the opportunity to uh flex my muscles in a different genre and the experience has certainly i think developed me as a writer and also developed my um my career so that i'm not just being given uh, uh comedy material now i'm being uh, you know i'm in discussion on true story projects which to be honest i now find more compelling largely because yeah. of the this journey i've gone on is there's an element of craft that i have to bring to it which are technical skills but also the research throws up um, material and characters and moments which I think are, are, would be beyond me as a writer to invent out of thin air so um, I'm really happy I'm happy with the job I did, I'm also happy with the the, the process and where this leaves me as a writer now and I feel pretty confident that I have certain skills to bring to the right kind of material and it's not just about a romantic comedy genre anymore, it's about you know what's what's the idea here and how is the best way to to lay that out in screenplay format have you do you get asked a lot about a sort of a comparison between um your film and american sniper do, do does that crop up uh, a lot in terms of like maybe more questions from the trade but does it does it trade press but does does that happen it has a bit um I, to be honest american snipers you know came out since Kajaki, I, we hope that it's going to have a positive uh, effect on our film as far as foreign sales uh, is concerned because you know it's done such huge business in America that mm. people are sitting up and noticing I um, I find it very hard to compare like for like to be honest I enjoyed American Sniper uh, but I, you could see the liberties that they had taken with the source material were were far greater than um, than those that we're taken with what actually happened in Kajaki. Also, theirs is, you know, is much more rooted in the political context of the conflict. Uh, ours is less so, um, for better or worse, really. Uh, and I, kn I know there's been a lot of detractors of American Sniper politically. Some have... Um, felt that Kajaki's uh, reluctance to engage in a political uh, conversation within the film is in itself a political statement and some have accused us as they've accused American Sniper of glorifying or being too pro-military and I reject that charge. What's next for you then Tom because um, obviously you've got you know like you say it's quite a varied um, varied career different projects different genres that's all great um you know it could be another true story but do you have something that you're, you're looking at actively now 
Yes, yeah, so, I mean, hilariously, my agent despairs because I've gone from Chalet Girl to Kajaki and now I'm working on a children's movie, oh, a TV comedy like and a musical. <laughs> so um, there's still no real sense of a career path emerging. Um, yeah, but it's all quality, so that's what matters. Well, I hope so. And, and it just it's, it's like with Chalet Girl, I, there was something in there that I really liked, the idea of doing a rom-com in a ski resort. Okay, let's try and make the best version of that. Kajaki, you know, you know there's strong material there. Let's, let's get in that headspace and do that with a children's book. Okay, let's, let's try and make a film of which Steven Spielberg would be proud and mm. a TV comedy. Okay, well, a lot of TV comedy is pretty uh, weak. Let's see if we can uh, do something better than that and, and so on. I, it's really about doing the best job that you can. It's like a, uh, a cricket match. You know, I've been following England versus Scotland in the World Cup overnight and you just play the, the ball in front of you, the match in front of you and, and try and knock it out of the park. Mm. And I, I would be, get very bored and probably write very bad scripts if I wrote the same script over and over again. I don't think there's anything wrong with... Uh, having flexibility you have to accept that the industry might get a bit little bit confused and that you might not be top of uh the list if if you've only written one movie in each genre if, if you see what i mean but yeah, yeah, uh, you yeah. look at danny boyle or michael Win winterbottom they're, they're directors and they've worked across huge range Indeed. of genres and Indeed. i i don't see why the rules should be any different for writers to be yeah, honest absolutely um uh, what's the latest uh, ways uh, or that people can watch um, Kajaki then, uh, Tom, if they want to want to check out? Well, there's great, there's, the there's two films, things. One so is um, if you go to the R Screen website, O U R Screen, O U R Screen, R Screen, uh, and uh, you can uh, you can mount your own theatrical uh, showing of Kajaki. Really? Uh, go to kajakimovie.com. Uh, that will give you all the information that's sort of the the model that I think films like Northern Soul use to really mm. get crowd funded or crowd demanded um, uh, theatrical showings but then also it's going to be coming out on DVD in June I think and uh, you know coming to a TV screen near you hopefully in the next 12 to 24 months you know thanks for speaking to us today because uh, it's it's, it's... It's such an interesting film. It's such a British film, I felt. Great, um, thank you. Well, it's, it, we, it's I mean, we're, we're really pleased with it. We yeah, want be, as many be. people as possible to go and see it. So yeah. dig it out where, yeah. where you can, please. Brilliant, brilliant. Very good. All right, Tim, good okay, luck to mate. you. All right, then. So, um, yeah, I'll see you at some awards thing in the future, then. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't doubt it. Go Nelson Nutmeg. <laughs>